G'day, I'm Barry Green. Thanks for joining me on Conversations on Radio WA, 87.6 FM in East Perth and Western Tourist Radio in the southwest of Western Australia. My next guest is a community advocate who was WA Senior Citizen of the Year in 2017. And he's still advocating for community five years later, Peter Kenyon. G'day, Peter. Good afternoon, Barry. You and I go back quite a long way. I first met you, must have been early 2000s, when you were operating a farm stay and you were a member of the Farm and Country Holiday Association. Tell us a bit about that. Well, that would have been in you know, through the 1990s into the early part of 2000. My wife, Pamela, and I decided after we'd spent nine months working in a place called Namibia as part of the uh, the rebuilding of the country after its independence. And we'd come back after nine months there. And we thought, you know what, we really love small town Australia. And I had this desire to get back there. My birth origins are actually in Marble Bar in the Pilbara. So I've always had that uh, small town stuff in my system, I think. And uh, I'd spent some wonderful years as a teacher in Denmark. And we've had a property in bailing up. For a, for a period of time, but we really want to get serious about living and working within rural Australia. And so we purchased a historic property with a, a wonderful uh, heritage building on it, just on the outskirts of the town of York. And just over 11, 12 years, we operated that as a B&B, and it also had a, um, a, a, a ginger beer and tea house built into it, which we utilised for functions. Um, and we had a ball, and that's also where we created the bank of ideas because uh, we bought also the one of the old banks in the town and uh, at that stage our company name was ideas standing for initiatives for the development of enterprising action and strategies and i always remember the local agents say you now own a bank you should call yourself the bank of ideas and so that's where the bank of ideas was actually founded just over uh, 25 years ago and so yes we've had a long association with rural australia have loved it I'm passionate. I call myself a community enthusiast and I love um, the concept of small town country life and how we retain that wonderful mosaic of small rural towns across across Australia. Well, that's so important, Peter, and that's what Western Tourist Radio has been created to give a voice to those sort of towns because the commercial media is more and more city-centric, but it's it's the stories of country towns that uh, I think is important. And I've I've come to see and appreciate more Aboriginal culture. And Aboriginal culture has been, their, their culture and their corporate knowledge has been passed down through storytelling. And I like to think our little radio network's a storytelling medium. And the commercial media, the storytelling is predominantly uh, produced by the advertising executives of the major corporations. But it's the small businesses of regional Western Australia that make it such an interesting place to visit. Without a doubt. And uh, I think a number of things you uh, mentioned there, Barry, one is uh, how it is important to catch with stories and our in, Indigenous brothers and sisters have taught us a lot about storytelling. They've got a story that goes well back over 70,000 years here and uh, and they certainly have passed those stories down over that period of time. And to me, storytelling is just so important. Uh, tell people a fact, tell people a theory they may forget.
tell person a good story, they never forget it. And so storytelling, I think, is just so important. And secondly, particularly, I couldn't agree with you more, I think um, rural Australia has uh, been under threat as we become more and more an urban um, country. I mean, it's interesting that when we become a federation uh, back there in 1900, more people lived in small towns and on farms than lived in our cities. And we've seen a total reverse of that. Today, well over 80% of our population live within 100 kilometres of the city and 85% of our population, I think, live in our six big cities. So, you know, we have become incredibly urbanised and the political power and where the dollars are often spent are very much within those cities. And yet it's the rural areas that generate the wealth of this country. And uh, I am particularly concerned about the way we've allowed that incredible mosaic of 4,000 plus small towns we have across this country to basically wither. And uh, I'm one of those people who really are on a bit of a crusade to say we need to reinvent these small towns. We've got to retain them. The community and the family farms matter. And uh, the only way that those farms have an interface with these towns and uh, we need to kind of like build these towns if we're wanting to really maintain that economic life. But also these are amazing communities that are full of stories. And I love the fact that you particularly are promoting tourism as a significant rural industry that we need to take seriously. We live in interesting times, Peter, but I think what's really interesting in another life I'm involved in organic or regenerative agriculture. Regenerative agriculture is really getting more and more traction because the internet's providing a mechanism for innovative farmers to work with independent scientists. So the the agricultural system has largely been driven by the corporate research, but the science of regenerative agriculture is more a community asset akin to open source software. So I think there's an opportunity with regenerative agriculture, and I like to think what we're promoting in tourism is regenerative tourism. It's tourism that sort of builds up the communities. Yeah, and I, look, I, I think um, I'm increasingly seeing you know, great examples of people in rural and remote Australia who are beginning to value um, this sector called tourism as an economic, but also as a cultural and as a social building tool. I mean, it is the world's fastest growing industry until COVID. It obviously is strongly youth focused, something like 90% of the jobs are for people under 30. So if you really want to have a future where your town does provide meaningful kind of like employment, particularly for younger people, you can't ignore it. And we've certainly seen during the COVID times how so many towns have really spent time capturing their story, promoting that story, selling that story, and have seen the benefits of um, people starting to come into these towns and really discover um, the amazing lifestyle and the characters and the and the legends and stories that make up all of these communities. So uh, to me, it is a really, really vital kind of like part of the revitalisation of rural Australia. And you talk about COVID and uh, I'm rec- we're recording this on the 3rd of March, uh, three days before the borders reopen after two years. Um, so that's going to be a bit of a change. But I think COVID's sort of woken people up to the importance of local food security and uh, and the importance of getting food locally, not bringing it across the seas or across uh, across the Nullarbor. 
Yes, I think COVID, that's just one of the positives that's come from COVID. I think there's been a whole pile of positives for rural areas. You know, lots of people have suddenly realised, you know, um, the one thing that worked during COVID, whether you're in the city or the country, was actually community. Community solidarity came to the forefront. Old service land collapsed because they couldn't run their programs or services. But what worked was neighbour looking at the neighbour, people starting to discover each other street level at the village level and lots of people are saying you know what I want more of that and obviously for many people the ultimate uh, experience of village happens you know for them or the ultimate image is that of kind of like small town um, kind of like Australia so I think we'll see people increasingly wanting to move into rural areas I think in terms of downsizing coping with uh, housing costs we'll see you know that will also contribute but I think the fact that people People couldn't uh, go overseas and for us couldn't leave the state it has meant that so many more people have really discovered their backyard, their rural communities. And boy, um, I just hear story after story of people saying, wow, I've never even been to that place. But boy, this was as interesting as going to Bali. And uh, it was just kind of like fascinating to see the way that rural tourism has certainly taken off. On the Bank of Ideas website, Peter, you have a copy left policy, and I think that's a great sort of almost an analogy to oh, you're talking about regenerative agriculture, where the the science of regenerative agriculture is a community asset, and in tourism, there's been a big uh, growth in these various online booking engines, which are all taking fifteen twenty percent out of the local economy. And what I've been endeavouring to do with the Tourist Radio website and associated websites like Farm Stay West and B&B WA and Pet Friendly WA is to create a network of, of local businesses. We link to their website, they link to our website, and we create a local network so that people can book direct and not send commissions overseas and as a result get a better price by booking direct. Without a doubt, we, right from the start of forming the Bank of Ideas, decided on what we call copy left, not copy right, that everything that we'd learned, everything that we have should be made available freely to people. And um, I tend to, uh, we've always honoured that policy and it certainly has returned, you know, what goes out always comes back. And um, I'm like you, a great believer in building, you know, local economy and keeping that dollar circulating as much as possible. Just encouraging people to to book directly with the provider of accommodation rather than going through one of these, uh, um, as you say, one of these groups that take such a hefty kind of like commission out of it and whatever. Um, I'm also into how do we cross promote between businesses? You know, I always remember being in South Africa and looking at a thing called the Midlands Meander. This is probably the oldest and most successful arts trail that you'll find in South Africa. It's in the Midlands area of um, the province of KwaZulu-Natal, and it's made up of about 400 businesses that have networked together to promote this trail of art and craft and accommodation and boutique businesses. And one of the things I loved about this is that, you know, if you wanted to be part of it, you had to pay a membership fee. But, you know, as I travelled along it, I'd say to people, why has this worked? And they'd say, well, you know, we, there is a membership fee and that means that we've got money to spend publicity and promotion. But the number one thing, when you become a member, you've got to put a sign in the most prominent position in your shop or boutique or your accommodation that simply said, I will promote my neighbour 
as well as I promote myself. And what I found is I, I didn't go into any of the businesses on that trail who would immediately say to me as I was leaving, which way are you heading? You're going south, whatever you do. Don't miss, you know, Joanne's kind of like Victoriana lolly shop. It's the best lolly shop that we have in the Republic. You've got kids with you to rot their teeth, but I tell you what, they will kind of like be ever thankful. This is the ultimate shop. Or, you know, you're going north. Joanne's um, new glassworks factory up there. Her work is just has to be seen to believe. And, you know, it was those one-liners, those positive endorsements that made sure you actually did stop. And I'm one of those people believing we just got to do more of that. We just got to cross-promote. We just got to find ways in rural Australia where we really support each other and keep that dollar circulating as much as we possibly can within the economy. You know, one of the most important economic strategies for any town is not just to attract business or to start business. It is to plug the leaks in that local economy. You know, every time a local spends a dollar outside, whether they commute out the area or buy in a service from outside or they go online and purchase something, that dollar is not circulating locally. And uh, the more that we can encourage that type of economics, the more I think our towns will thrive. I'm sure you're right, Peter. And if I can just quote uh, from your uh, speech when you accepted the WA Citizen of the Year Award, uh, Richard Branson quote, it's not up to one man to shape this world, it's up to us all. Yep, and... um, that was certainly, I think, at the time when people were feeling fairly depressed about personality politics and and whatever. And I suppose I just wanted to remind people we all can make a difference and we have to. It's not up to one person that we can all be a builder. And uh, I'm on about particularly how do we build community builders? How do we how do we stimulate people to think as a community builder and bring their unique gifts um, and contributions and talents and passions to to the table. Um, we we need everyone. There's no one we we do not need. And I think part of what I'm encouraging towns to do is to one of the first things you want to do if you want to reinvent your town, do an asset map, find out who lives in your community and what unique products and 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 services businesses have. Find out what people care about. Find out what it is that um, people feel passionate about. That's a gift to the community. I love doing a little exercise around the table when I'm meeting with a group in a small town and they're wanting to reinvent the town. I say, well, let's discover just who's here today. Let's go around the table and just share one thing about you that you're proud of that no one else around this table will know about you, whether it be something you've done in a previous life, whether it be a closet hobby you've got, whether it's an aspiration you've got for the future. And as we go around the table, all I hear people saying is, I never knew you'd done that. I never knew that, that you had that passion. I never knew you were into that. And uh, I think we've got to begin to discover our communities are asset rich. And one of the starting points is to discover those people assets, those business assets, those institutional assets, those network assets that all of our towns have. And can I say, which you'll love, our cultural and our story assets. Every town has amazing story and cultural assets. And we often forget that they are powerful in rebuilding our towns. I'm sure you're right, Peter. And I think far too often we look to government and often that can be the problem, not the solution. It's got to be grassroots bottom up. 
without a doubt. I, I think um, one of the great, you know, uh, issues and challenges that I think a lot of our small towns are facing, and 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 you know, currently at least seventy percent of our small towns are dying, so things are not going too well. Um, but one of the reasons they're dying is that many of these towns in their leadership are sitting there waiting for the cavalry to turn up from Canberra or from Perth or Sydney or Melbourne. Um, sorry, you've got to forget that. If it's to be, it's up to me is the type of attitude that these towns need to address. We've got to realise that what we can get out of government is cream on the cake. What matters is the cake, and the cake lies within. And we've got to, as I said, begin to discover and map those incredible assets that we've got within our community and then start connecting those assets and start then utilising those assets for productive activity that enable our town to kind of like begin to put in place initiatives that will actually secure a future for it. But it is kind of like driven from within. I'm particularly inspired by two guys by the name of Jody Kretzman and John McKnight, who were two, U two US um, academics who had a grant for four years to drift across America. And as they drifted across America, they engaged communities in a conversation. And the question that they engage people around is, tell us a time when you and your neighbours took action and tell us what happened. And as they did that, they, re they really discovered two things. One, things happened when they decided to take action, when they stopped waiting for that check from from Lottery West to turn up or waiting for some government program or some somebody out there that was going to ride over the hill and save their town. And secondly, it happened when they started with what they had and not what they hoped to get through some grant or from government. And so that belief, A, we need to be the ones that we're waiting for. We need to take action. And secondly, we need to start with what we've got internally within this community and start with that. Start by mapping that. Start by connecting that. Start by utilising our internal assets, our people and our network and our physical and our cultural assets. I'm talking to Peter Kenyon from the Bank of Ideas. Peter calls himself a community enthusiast and a social capitalist. I, I, I love that notion. Sometimes I think capitalism's gone a bit overboard, but capitalism at its best is about people doing stuff, Peter. Well, it's about capital. I mean, when I say I'm a social capitalist, I believe the most important capital we have is not financial capital, it's not physical capital. It's not even human capital. It's social capital. It's those connections we have with other people and the power that comes from that. It's all about those relationships. And uh, it's about that uh, reposity between each other and the way that we do things together and the trust that comes from that. That's what we call social capital. And uh, to me, it's the most important capital that we actually have. And secondly, I believe the people who are going to save our our um, rural towns and our rural lifestyle are what I call community builders, not necessarily your formal leaders, but people who care, who actually make things actually happen. And uh, I suppose I'm into, uh, we're into trying to promote and we're hoping this year to launch in WA, relaunch a program we had over 20 years ago when I was in York. We started up a program there called Community Builders. And it was about just bringing people together from a cluster of towns within a regional context who used to meet monthly. 
and determine a learning program and a networking program. And over six to eight months, they came together as a town team, but with other teams from other towns to talk about how they could actually start contributing to rebuilding and, and redeveloping their community and uh, and learning and interacting and networking with other people and also developing all those lovely regional connections that we actually have. And we're hoping to actually restart that program with the support of a group called Rural Aid, who traditionally focused on supporting farmers in drought and flood, but also beginning to see, you know, what we need to put energy into also helping to rebuild our rural towns. And they've recognised the starting point is about leadership within these towns. And I call those people community builders, people who don't do it from position, they do it from passion, people who care about their town and are willing to step up and actually together with others start to make a difference. And uh, so to me, I'm, I'm really keen that we we build kind of like um, um, a cadre of people out there, give them the skills, give them the knowledge base, and above all, you know, fuel their passion for their place. Um, so we might see kind of like many of our towns starting to uh, uh, revitalise. And boy, we've had over the, you know, over the last 30 or 40 years, amazing examples of that in WA. The little town of, of Hyden was one of the first towns that really showed me that. More recently, the town of Coolan and what's gone on in that particular community. I think it's probably the most exciting small town story in Australia and all driven by local people who saw possibility and actually had, you know, the um, the wisdom to kind of like take a bit of risk and invest their own assets in making things happen. And we've got wonderful examples of that across rural WA. That's great, Peter. And you talk of town teams. There is actually a town team movement. Are you familiar with that? Yes, there is a, a town team movement, and uh, I think they are part of of kind of like the picture um, that's actually happening uh, in in number of kind of like communities. But that movement goes way before um, that particular organisation started. That that movement, that town teams are probably five or six years old. Um, I look back over you know, uh, a period of time when really when I look at small towns and how they've re reinvented themselves, we've got a long history of people just doing it and beginning to realise if it's to be, it is up to me. We need to get out there and do it. And we've got some great examples of that in WA. Yep. And I think sometimes it seems tourism is seen by the powers that be as a silo whereas tourism's actually a shop front for all local businesses. So a lot of businesses don't think they're in tourism, but in fact they are. Like the uh, the builder who spent six weeks rebuilding our farmstay cottage was actually in tourism for those six weeks. Which is, I had an amusing episode when we ran the... Uh, the uh, hillside country homestead in York. And uh, I remember a local electrician up the pole putting in floodlights. And, and as he was up there, started to say, oh, these bloody tourists who turn up in York, I, I can't stand them. I said, who do you think's paying for those lights to be installed? Who's paying kind of like your, uh, your bill to kind of like install those lights? You are a beneficiary of tourism. And he almost fell off his ladder when he kind of like suddenly realised 
the connection. And, uh, you know, I, I know in the States, they, they're always doing studies on, you know, what, what percentage of people's business can be directly uh, traced back to the dollar that the tourist has brought into town. And for many of them, it's, it's up around, you know, 70 to, to 90%, but almost every business, somewhere between probably 10 and 25% can be really directly linked back to kind of like tourism. We all benefit from that external dollar coming in and staying within the town and starting to circulate around the town. That's great, Peter. Well, thanks so much for your time today. You're an inspiration to so many people in regional Western Australia and uh, Western Tourist Radio and Radio WA. We're proud to be able to give a voice to people like yourself. Well, I want to say thank you to people like you, Barry. You, you know, it's just so important that uh, the media kind of like pick up on these great stories and we have passionate people like yourself who just want to kind of like share those stories and share the possibilities and excite people about what's happening. You're probably aware that, you know, one of the consequences of COVID and was probably happening before COVID, but just the loss of the the rural uh, print media that we've seen across rural Australia. You know, I, I think I saw the other day some figure that well over 70 rural newspapers have actually closed down in the last two years across rural Australia. And we're losing those medium forces that used to capture so well a lot of those local stories. And so things like uh, community radio are just so important. You're picking up some of that loss, you know, where people 100 years have had the local newspaper only to find it's been taken over by some corporate monster in the cities and closed down or uh, and uh, the assets moved elsewhere. But it's just great to see that there are new and innovative ways that people are finding to get those stories out and keep people connected to the, to place and to their roots. And uh, you are really at the forefront of that in, in WA, Barry. And I just want to say on behalf of many people, thank you for what you do. It's amazing. Well, thanks so much for that, Peter. You've been listening to Peter Kenyon from the Bank of Ideas on Radio WA as we tell the stories of people and places in Western Australia. To hear this story and conversation with other innovative Western Australians, go to touristradio.com.au forward slash conversations or search Google for podcast Radio WA.